and welcome to Marvelous Podcast, where we talk about Marvel TV shows and movies. And at the moment, we are, of course, talking about Loki, the thing on everyone's lips. This week, we're talking about the episode Lamentis One, and I'm joined as ever by Abby. Hello. And I'm joined by Laura. Hello. So this week, we found ourselves on the moon of Lamentis One, which herefore shall be called Moon of the Bisexual Lighting. Yes. Because it shall. Wonderful. Wasn't it? <laughs> and I'm about to ask you each for your initial thoughts on this episode. I am pretty confident both of you and our listeners really liked this episode because you can take large chunks of it and basically rename it the Loki and Sylvie podcast because it was basically <laughs> them talking in the way people talk on podcasts. And I think that's going to appeal to this audience. So, Laura, what did you think this week? I really miss WandaVision. Okay, in what way? I was a bit disappointed by this episode. On the first watch, it was much better on the second one. Okay. Just not enough plot for me. And, more importantly, I'm still not emotionally engaged. Oh. Which I really thought by now I would be, and I'm kind of gutted, if I'm honest. Um, There's lots of really great things to talk about. Um, But I just think the series as a whole is not up to my expectations so far, and they were very high. Uh, I hate not being the MCU Pollyanna, which is my natural state. <laughs> I just, I don't feel that the ep- the the series is working on an episode to episode basis, and so then it just feels like a long film split up into parts. And with this, I was really hoping we were going to see yes, a great big arc across the six episodes. Mm. But I was hoping that the episodes would also kind of stand alone on their own. And I just don't feel that's happening at the moment. Um, if you think of Buffy, Monster of the Week, and also an arc, I think to some degree as well, Star Trek Discovery recently has been doing that. And mm-hmm. I was hoping for a bit more of that. No stakes. They weren't going to die on the moon. Um, but the dialogue was fantastic, which was one of my big problems with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And the character development was great. We've got three episodes to go, guys. <laughs> I'm getting a bit nervous. Um, though Hiddleston has said that episode four is going to be some big turn. So probably what will happen is the same as one division. After the next episode, I will look back at this episode very mm-hmm. fondly with hindsight. But just at the moment, definitely first watch was kind of like, well, that was a thing. Oh, interesting. Okay. Abby, what did you think? I've always wanted to see Tom Hiddleston as the Doctor, and I'm really glad we got part one of a two-part episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm delighted to see literally everybody I know say this, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, including many, many people who don't usually post their thoughts about Marvel TV shows. And everyone's going, oh yeah, I missed Doctor Who actually. Or, yeah, that was, that was a good Doctor Who episode. And I mean, there's really no two ways about it. It is what it is. It it is. We've talked a lot about genre literacy and why would you do anything else? You know, it's, mm. it's it's completely solidly that. And I think it's interesting to take, um, given WandaVision and everything else, given all the kind of homage to American TV that we've seen, American tropes, American everything. Again, we've been talking about this being a very British uh, setup, cast, mm-hmm. crew, etc. So I think to do such an interpretation of a if not the British television classic, is mm-hmm. is a is a really nice choice, I think. And also, it, it is a slightly previous Doctor Who as well. It's not necessarily kind of the most recent versions of Who because it's you know no one cried. Um, it's you know it's all a bit kind of haphazard and uh, tenuous, and and it felt like a sort of more of the kind of 
more flippant David Tennant version of things, and and I'm here for it. <laughs> the flirtiness as well, under the surface type thing. Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely think it has the vibe of a two doctors sort of special. Yeah. One yeah. of those with the with the two characters and the way they interacted. Hey. It feels like whatever that episode was where Matt Smith and David Tennant met. It's got you know. Yeah. Commenting on each other, a bit of rivalry, but also a bit of understanding about who each person is. Mm. Mm. Okay. How about you? I really liked it. Like oh, I say, goodness. this is this was you know I I think we've enjoyed people talking and having in depth conversations, and I feel like we got some really in depth conversations about things we've always wanted. I I did. I think I set myself up to not be as disappointed as I otherwise would, knowing that I love my big world building and things going on and stuff. The fact there was no reference to the bombing stuff from in the previously on made me go, ah, we're only going to be dealing with the Sylvie Loki thing. Mm. Um, so, so when we got to the end and they didn't reference what was going on with the timeline, I was like, that's fine. We're clearly going to come back to that elsewhere. That's okay. Skipping to the end. I mean, Doctor Who is such a good comparison because one of the things I don't like about Doctor Who is that you get this sort of deus ex out of nowhere. He goes, oh, wait, I have this thing that does this thing that solves this situation that we've been left in peril for a week. Or, oh, look, the TARDIS has just shown up and saved us. And I sort of feel like that's what's coming, that next week we'll get the Bill and Ted moment of them going, wait, we're going to get out of this. And when we do get out of this, we should send back the time thing (laughs) so we can pick it up from under this rock. Hey, look! (laughs) And engineer their own escape and so on, which I'd be fine with if you do it once. Um, <laughs> but I'm expecting next week to resolve that cliffhanger at the end very quickly. Yes, yeah, I, I think so. It, um, I didn't notice it. I watched it twice, and neither time did I notice the end. And the second time I watched it was about ten minutes before I joined you for this podcast. Okay. And I and I turned to my wife and I said. Can you just tell me what just happened? So, <laughs> so that I'm not going to talk about this for an hour and a half, blatantly missing point. And she was like, yeah, let me explain. <laughs> so, um, yeah, because I was just so caught up in the kind of swirly swirl and colourful things and interesting stuff. And she was like, yeah, so the arc exploded. And I was like, oh, right. And she was like, and so they're stranded here. And I was like, oh, interesting. <laughs> so, yes, yeah. we, we appeared to get a four minute continuous shot of them running around yeah. in a circle. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> and and to be fair, it's I think three or four shots combined to look like one continuous shot. But fine, we can do good just things. Dodging bits. A few times they panned up, wasn't there, to look at yeah. something CGI yeah. and I thought, mm, okay. But it looked fantastic. That's one thing yeah. I would say. That final and to do it with an action scene as well, with all the stuff mm-hmm. exploding and the fighting and and Quite exciting. I it looked beautiful. Yeah. 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 I, I enjoyed it too much to notice what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I wasn't. Re- I assumed that the ark had been destroyed, and then the second time, I'm like, "Well, I'm still assuming that's what happened," because it didn't look that different to a lot of the buildings around it. It could have just been a building, but I, yes, I'm pretty sure from their reaction, it was the ark. The, the reaction is what sells it, I think. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, for an episode that had so much for me, it had so much talking that I enjoyed, and I enjoyed digging into the characters. Yeah, there was a lot of action. The the whole bit with the TVA was quite good action and then we had a whole bit on the train in doing the snow piercer thing and then we had the whole bit at the end as well yeah good, good, good solid action. Mm. interesting what's interesting <laughs> i didn't know if you were gonna like this and i don't know why 
I missed Owen Wilson this week somewhat, and mm. I wandered into this thought earlier because I thought, well, that that seems a little harsh. Like, what what do I not enjoy about Sylvie? So again, I, I in preparation for this podcast, which I take extremely seriously, talk this one through, and I spent quite a while going. It's just that I feel like. I don't know, maybe like Tom Hiddleston enjoyed being the only Loki and it's kind of weird that there are more and like it all just seems a bit stilted and uncomfortable and my wife was like, I think you're talking about acting because that is in fact what is happening to Loki here and I was like, oh right and I was like, but they're not telling me I just feel this is super uncomfortable and she's like, again, that is acting <laughs> so, clearly I am susceptible to the marvellous acting and not used to not having when are we getting peg on this podcast yeah no probably not but you'll you'll have to cope with me (laughs) but do you know what she has a magnificent contribution for us today in in lieu of uh, decor so let me know when you want that because it it. it is the key to this episode you can't leave us hanging with that now 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 (laughs) tune in later for the reveal of (laughs) so this episode is is um first and foremost because i i don't want to flippantly derail something and, and say something otherwise um that might imply that, that i am not taking the writing of this extremely seriously because this episode is written by bisha k ali who is mm. the head writer for the numerous marvel series which oh, i am nice. really looking forward to okay and i think this episode really helped encourage me to look forward to that um everything i've seen of sort of her talking around these things and talking about working with marvel and so on gives me great hope and, and much joy and she writes fantastic dialogue and great content. However, I postulate that this episode is a song fic for the Ladytron song Deep Blue. Either of you familiar with this song? It is the song that is playing in the bar when we time shift, in my mind, back to 2008 when the lights go down and we start to have Sylvie oh, talking okay. to. It's, they play an instrumental section of this piece and immediately, well, I said, I can hear Ladytron. And I said, I'm watching Loki. And <laughs> she said, it's definitely later. I was like, I believe you. And she's like, no, it is. I was like, again, I believe you. Shall we pause? You can check. But um, we, we waited and, and checked at the end. It is. It is Lady Tron, Deep Blue. It is an album track from a 2008 album. Um, the words, Deep Blue, I want to take you to the sun. Use the power station at the heart of town. Deep Blue, let's get a train out of town to a place that's easier to get around. One place we choose straight, and you make it last more than a day. Deep blue, I know that scares you. Try and find your smile, deep blue. <laughs> That's a little on the nose, isn't it? It is a little. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I just, you know, they're, you know, a sort of British-based band. Again, it, it's a a little thing. If I was doing the music for this, and I'd just been given that script, I'd be like, this reminds me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and. Yeah, we we were very entranced by this really obscure song choice um, to play because the other song they play at the beginning is um, Hayley Kiyoko, which is obviously like much more contemporary. Yeah, it's because there's something in the water. It's also interesting when you think about the TVA stuff, isn't mm. it? Just on Bishop Alley because um, she also did. I don't. She's written on every episode, but I also saw her on the credits for the last episode. Yeah, and I'm like, wait a second, I know that name, and then <laughs> did some googling, and it's because she. I'm guessing used to now because she's probably quite busy. She used to co-host the Guilty Feminist podcast. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, which I saw her do a recording, which was very good. Cool. Uh, mm. And also she had a podcast, like a BBC Radio 4 podcast called Grown Up Land. Yes. May Martin, which was okay. okay. But um, but yeah, when I saw it. And then then I discovered the whole Ms. Marvel stuff because I had no idea <laughs> mm. about that. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing what she does with that. 
guesses are exciting times. Mm. Um, so yeah, wh- whether that's her choice, whether that's just the music. Um, again, Natalie Holt's music is ludicrous. I enjoyed it so much. So much. I really enjoyed it this time. Uh, mm. Yeah, it, I suppose it's growing even more and I really like the main theme. And at one stage I was um, I was watching with closed captions on and it came up and said, captivating instrumental music playing. Yes, like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes it, it is. That's the word. <laughs> I think Good that's the track title, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, you know, so much theremin. It was lovely to see, if, you, if you've seen Natalie Holt's Instagram post of uh, somebody... Uh, the the theremin musician who is fully credited and credits and whose name I've unfortunately now forgotten. But anyway, playing playing a demo of the Loki theme on the theremin and all the comments just going, this is clearly magic. And you just go, how wonderful <laughs> that you have also now discovered the theremin. So if nothing else, bringing the theremin to a fresh generation is just such a gift. I recently listened to a podcast about the theremin. Oh, marvellous. And it could, it could either be um, Imaginary Worlds which is a sci-fi and fantasy podcast and talks about might talk about that it's used in sci-fi or it was 20,000 hertz which is a sound podcast and talks about different sounds and I can't remember which one excellent <laughs> but there was definitely a recent theremin podcast so it's interesting I feel like a lot happened but I feel like it is in the dialogue mm. it is in us understanding these characters a bit more so we have Lady Loki stroke Sylvie who said she was using Sylvie as an alias. So do we either of you have a feeling on whether this is the sort of comic book thing of she was given her power somehow and Sylvie is her name and she is the Enchantress, or she is Lady Loki and they're using Sylvie as a kind of merger in the way they've done with, like how Agatha Harkness wasn't actually the Agatha from the comics, but they're using that character because it brings a certain amount of knowledge and baggage. I think calling her a Loki and, and doing it in in that sense of multiple Lokis is just leaving the door open. Mm. I don't know if they're doing anything specific okay. from the comics. Uh, to me, it was that, yes, she is a Loki variant, okay, but has cho- for whatever reason, which I'm hoping we'll find out, has chosen to abandon that um, identity. Mm-hmm. And therefore, he's going under Sylvie. And I'm, I, I don't know about the Enchantress from the comics, which who was also Sylvie, but I mean her her powers seem to be very Enchantress-like. Mm. Um, so I think it's as you say, it's still kind of taking the different threads and combining it mm-hmm. into this character. But I think she is she is a Loki. But I'm very pleased that we have a different name now because L- Lady Loki is not great. It's not great, no. No. Unless unless we start calling Tom Hiddleston Lord Loki, which I'm fine to do. I'm actually fine with that. Okay. <laughs> Lord Loki. <laughs> but it seems like he's not that into that, so... No, no. Mm. Uh, I mean, he... I think he's fantastic anyway, but this episode, he was bloody brilliant. Mm-hmm. And I thought um, Sofia de Martino, is it? Should have looked it up. Uh, I thought she was very good, but just seeing him inhabit this character that he's done for so long and being able to see him go through so many different emotions in that in that one episode, he slips between pompous, joyful, sad, like within seconds. Mm-hmm. He is almost unbearably charming. Mm-hmm. Awful hair. <laughs> it was really curly and greasy this week. Get him some conditioner. Now... 
You see, I'm saying that because there were a number of shots from behind with him silhouetted in that multiple sequence at the end. And I could see them using stand-ins to be able to achieve some of the effects they did. Uh-huh. So maybe it's just bad wigging or wigging from running around that, I need, that happened. I need to do a jacket watch. Because there was a lot of jacket on, jacket off, jacket on, mm. jacket yes. off. I was very into the shirt. I still nobody has given me a pattern for that shirt yet, but I have never seen such a shirt as this. So if anyone knows who made that design classic, you the know TVA where we shirt. Are. This is the grey shirt. The the shirt where the collar goes right down to the seams under the arms. A phenomenal. Okay, your homework is to find us a screen grab. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to do that during this podcast. I thought it, it just looked like a shirt. <laughs> you guys. The TVA one, Yo. not like when he was... The, it, his, I mean, I have that some he has questions. The tie. But... Yeah. Sorry, I'll find it. <laughs> okay. I'll find it. What's this episode called? Lamentus. Um, Lamentus. Of course, I mean, who wouldn't remember that? Lamentus, hyphen. <laughs> Did we find out why it's... Moon I mean, of the I, I, like, yes. Why Why is the moon of the bisexual lighting called this in the first place? Because it's like basically setting you up for a fall. It's like calling your planet Disaster Zone, right? <laughs> well, it, it, the moon is called Lamentis 1, which make, which implies Lamentis has multiple moons, and this is the largest thereof. Um, why the planet is called Lamentis, I don't know. I don't know how well holding it... I mean, if I find the <laughs> it's camera... It's the grey shirt! Yeah, but look at this. Look at the collar. Look at the collar and how it goes right down to like the underarm. Send it on WhatsApp. All right. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah I could do really... that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> if, only, if only we had computers for sure. <laughs> I don't know, because I WhatsApped you asking for the link to this very podcast earlier and then had spent 15 minutes flapping about on my we're own. We're here talking to you. <laughs> we, we're in front of you. You are now. That's why I was showing you on the televisual device that we share. Um... Sorry. Sorry, it's coming. Hang on. Let's let's if we, if we're referencing the bisexual lighting, let's reference the point that they have made Loki canon bisexually canon. Woohoo! Canonly bisexual. Canonly bisexual. Confirmed his bisexuality. Yeah, as thank part you. Of the MCU canon. In a slightly throwaway line. Did you feel that was slightly throwaway? Because again, I mean, my wife really should be on this podcast, but she said the way he said it was a bit like he was at the doctor's, don't you think? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a little bit like the uh, kiss between two women at the end of the Star Wars film. Oh, it's better. Than yeah, that. It, yeah it, it's it is. Better than it is that. better because you can see it and hear it, and it's actually it is actually there on screen. They'd have trouble um, cutting this out for certain markets in the way that they obviously would have done with um, Star Wars. Would no, you... I, yeah, I think it's fully removable. Yeah. Um, hmm. I, I, you know, I appreciate the that it, that is as um, on screen saying of the words as you're going to get, and yeah. I also think that even if it was a bit on the nose, um, I think you need the saying of the words. I, I'm mm. reminded of a time when uh, I was working with a priest who wanted to make an inclusive speech and asked me if he would be better off specifying the people he was welcoming or not. And I said, you know, if you don't, it rather feels like you mean er anyone who is in those genres will quite possibly feel like you mean everyone except them. So better just to say the words. And um, and that was rather welcome. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because I do appreciate that they take it as it's just ordinary. We're not Did going they? to make a big song and dance about it, but at the same time... Is it a conversation you'd have then and there? I mean, it was well, odd when I, they began to discuss love. I think in the context of the conversation they were having already. 
I think that was fine. As far as the, it seeming just normal, I'm not sure it did for me in the way that when Sylvie asks him, she sort of says, you know, are there any princesses? And then kind of does like a cheeky little, or a prince type but wiggle. As, as someone who's had right. that conversation a lot in life, let me tell you, it happens like that every mm. single time. And as our it. writer and dir- mm. or our director here is a bisexual mm-hmm. I can believe it. Themselves. But if, lo- <laughs> if Sylvie is also meant to be bisexual, mm. would she ask that way? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because because it, that's 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 the conversation. That, okay. That's the only way it ever happens. Okay. <laughs> I cool. think I I would I would say you might say is there anyone? But then it makes his line a lot harder to write. Mm. Mm. Because he starts with, have you got someone waiting? Yeah, he says, have you got a bow? Mm. In a non-specific way. And she opts for postman. Um, which made yeah. me think of uh, the person dating a postman in Lady Parts, which is a great programme that everyone should watch. Just because we were there going, it'd be really cool to date a postman, actually. That'd be really handy. <laughs> <laughs> so as soon as she said that, we were like, good catch, good job. <laughs> But yeah, Kate Heron, the director, she um, put out on Twitter, from the moment I joined Loki, it was very important to me and my goal to acknowledge Loki was bisexual. It is a part of who he is and who I am too. I know this is a small step, but I'm happy and my heart is so full to say that this now is canon in nice. the MCU. Yeah. Fully support having a goal to come in and mm. do the thing. And uh, mission accomplished. Good job. Yeah. Unarguable. I hope we see more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they are they are now doing it, and you know it's better oh, than yeah. not doing it. So that's no, and I think that's the thing. Let's let's mm. um, let's celebrate. Mm. But it is also interesting stuff. that, uh, and you know, again, preparatory conversations about this. But Loki is the only character that hasn't been linked with romantic mm. interests throughout. And when you consider that he's one of the most established characters yeah. in the MCU, mm. to have literally never had romantic links for him. Um, is is one of those things again where it's kind of uh, describing in silence, and that's very much something that I hope we leave in the past. Mm. And it's it it's kind of weird at this stage because he has a lot of chemistry with Sylvie, and I think they're meant to because they're both a Loki. But I did have to keep thinking, no, they're not going to get these two together. They're not going to get these two together. That would be too much. I don't know. I think they might. They're not going to nah, get these two together, are they? <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, there's definitely <laughs> some chemistry there. Mm. And the whole the whole conversation about the love thing and uh... No, I don't I I just I I don't I don't think so. Might like absorb her or something. <laughs> That's so gross. <laughs> Um, Is that what the kids are calling it these days? <laughs> I bet somewhere on the internet, yes. <laughs> I think the thing is, outside talking about these particular representations of this character, but the idea of who would Loki fall in love with himself, completely by that. Um, but I don't know if I need to see that here. But also, mm. I don't... I think... Um... You know that that awkward fractious jealousy that he has. I I don't I don't think he would. I don't think he's good enough for himself. I think that would reveal too much of his own vulnerability. Can can I say speaking of his own vulnerability? I think my favourite bit was the um, invisible dagger speech. 
uh-huh. which just did such a great job of sending up something we have a few times picked up on in recent Marvel things, which is just someone saying something with great intent and the other person... Great profundity. Yeah, mm. and everyone just going, yeah. And I really like this time she just went, what? <laughs> <laughs> and it just, it was such a relief. I absolutely but, loved it. But at the same time, him flourishing a quill out of nowhere to <laughs> yes. go, love is pain, tell me more. Yes. <laughs> and great. also that, yeah. 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 The quill. Oh, and uh, uh, maybe, maybe to, to sort of, you know, put a, put a bow on this, is that why they have so much chemistry together? Because they're both playing char- a, a character who has a lot of charisma. I mean, whether he's doing it with Robert Downey Jr. or mm. Chris Hemsworth or yeah. um, Scarlett Johansson or whomever, you know, it, he's good on screen and engaging with them. So yeah. they should have chemistry. Charisma off. Mm. Mm. I've got to say, I didn't, I didn't see chemistry, and I didn't see any of the kind of default chemistries either. I did, again, I was surprised by the acting, which conveyed everything without me necessarily realizing that I'd seen it. I just, okay. it felt quite unusual. I think. What to what default chemistry is? What do you mean? So you know, like enemies to lovers, sibling rivalry. Oh, I see what you mean. You know, all, all the kind of the usual sort of bits of. Um, established i'll be this and you be that and then that kind of plays out like bickering is often in that kind of older younger Mm. sibling or like rivals or whatever you know Mm. like those kinds of things and i didn't see them you know even when you know loki's walking away she's like you're so weird and it's with a little bit of admiration (laughs) as well like there's there's little bits of different emotions from the usual things because people aren't usually on screen with another version of themselves yeah Mm. Mm. The technicalities of the other version, I would mm. like to hear your thoughts on if how how you felt about that kind of, you know, them talking about their their existences and their pasts mm-hmm. and that. How did that go for you? Uh, that's the bit that I don't feel like we've had enough on, and I don't feel like we've had enough on purpose. Um, but I do find it really interesting that you, and it's the thing you want when you have these people from the multiverse meeting. You want them to sit down and figure out the difference between them and, and where did they diverge? You know, is it that Sylvie, Laufey daughter, um, was because she was female, something had happened differently in the war with Laufey and that's what caused Frigga to die and she herself was the stem of all this or something from be- before that. Like there's, there's quite a few differences from what they mentioned. I'm reminded of a Red Dwarf episode with uh, an alternate Rimmer and they have an off-screen conversation where they basically go through their lives and figure out that one of them was held back a year and one of them was not held back a year and that's what made him into the man he is instead of the man we know. Is that in one of the books? I feel like that might be in one of the books at greater length. Well, they wrote they wrote books based on the yeah, shows. But... but I think that's on page, yeah. if not on screen. Mm. You think about it, knowing Odin, as obviously I do, mm. If he had gone into Laufey's chamber and found a baby girl, mm-hmm. probably would have left it there. Mm. So maybe that's what happened. But this is something which I don't get is, did she come into the world as a baby and grow? Or is she just as she is, fully formed? Because I don't really understand where the variants are coming from. With our Loki variant... We see what happened. He did something. He wasn't meant to. That took him out of the timeline. He's now you know, a variant. 
But that can't be what's happened with Sylvie, because otherwise she'd look like Tom Hiddleston. Is it not a, either a multiverse or a parallel worlds thing? You know, she's come from a variant place. So does that mean that, yes, we have that the, the timekeepers are fine with the being a multiverse, as long as they all generally follow the sacred timeline, which is general points need to be hit? Assuming the timekeepers exist. No, that's a whole other thing. But based on, on what we're being told... Mm. Mm within the mythology of the show and what and or the mythology of the TVA and, and what um, they've told Loki I think there have to be multiple strands running now because the way they've talked is as if though there is only one but then that doesn't make sense how the hell we've got different looking Lokis and it's not just that they're older or younger well they don't know necessarily what this Loki looks like because Loki can change yeah, what but Loki that looks like that isn't what's going on here is it it's not that yeah, but I'm not expecting know? Sylvie to suddenly turn out to be Tom no. Hiddleston. But what I mean is the TVA don't know. No, but I would think with all of that they can do... Sorry, I'm thinking. I'm enjoying the thinking faces. <laughs> I, I I think you're about spot on that what they are implying is that the multiverse exists, but that strands off the sacred timeline, timelines... Hmm are not allowed. Things that would cause each timeline to change. So sacred timeline doesn't mean just one verse. So so I think my question back to you, if that's the case, if that's the case that either this is a massive plot hole that we shouldn't think too much about, or that this is, there is the multiverse is allowed, but they're just trying to stop them from going to war with each other, are we going to get more that explains this plot hole away? And it's just that we don't understand it yet. Or is it just that we're thinking too much on it? I think that's quite a major one to be missing. And seeing as the writing seems pretty tight on this. Mm-hmm. On the map of it, it just has the single timeline. When we saw those bombings, it's, it's one single line and there are strands that leap off it. But is the timeline sort of the... The, the single big br- bit of Tupperware. Branch, yeah. And then within that, you've got littler Tupperware, but all facing the same way. And each of those is one of the multiverse. What a lovely image. It's like a train with lots of cars on it, and each car has a different Loki in it. No, because those would go behind each other. Maybe if we're talking about a fleet of trains that are all running parallel That's to each other. That's a terrible metaphor. <laughs> So what if it was a big train Matthew with smaller ruined it. trains? Matthew ruined it. Um, yeah, so maybe it could be that the timeline is this one mm. timeline, but there are then multiple verses within those, but they have to hit certain points in order to be considered still be on track. Can someone tell me, and this is my Darth Marvel question, by the way. Oh, um, okay. Can someone tell me, because I know that it is textual, at some point... And then things happen, and then presumably it is again textual again, but I forget the second time. Why isn't Loki blue? Really good foundation. (laughs) Because his magic doesn't work in the TVA, so it must be. But also, we don't know... So in Thor, he only turns blue when he gets up close to that blue box that isn't the Tesseract. And, And when he gets very emotional. Oh, does he? I think I think there's a point when he's not necessarily touching it, but when he's near it, having that sequence. So he doesn't know that he was blue before. So I don't think he's intentionally doing something. But isn't with his it magic. Odin 
originally, but Odin is no longer with us. Yeah, I don't think this is this is explained. No. Okay. So because I I had assumed that Loki had made an aesthetic choice, so in which case, wash your hair. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, it, it's that obviously isn't the case because he does not have this. No. Why isn't palette. he blue? Because there was a blue character in Farscape who had to leave after two years because it was killing her. Literally. Yeah. She was getting all sorts of issues with the kidneys from the blue paint. Good. Also, Elizabeth he's not, the first. He's not just blue. Doesn't he also have some kind of patterning on him as well when he goes blue? Uh, yeah, a bit like Drax. I've added a picture to the group chat which reminded us of this earlier, okay. which is um, uh, Noel Stevenson's drawing from many, many years ago of uh, Raven yes, from the X Men <laughs> saying to Loki, <laughs> I am also blue. I will include that. And Loki's saying, "Go away." I will include that on the show notes. That's gorgeous. Well, I, I'm I'm not sure if it's if it's available on the internet. Oh, is it not? I thought you'd link it anymore. I don't know. I, I we bought a print of okay. it many many we'll years ago, so I don't know how online it is, but it must like. surely be Google. But yeah, the real world reasoning is the same reason you don't put Jennifer Lawrence through huge amounts yeah. of blue makeup. You don't put Tom Hiddleston through huge amounts of blue makeup. And I think just the 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 other thing that reminded me of it is just. There was that this whole kind of mental concept that went with this picture of kind of Raven appearing and Loki's wondering, I'm also blue, and Loki just being like, I want my thing. Mm-hmm. And and I think there was something about the kind of just the aesthetic of this little sketch that just really reminded me as well of this episode of Loki just being like, This is my thing. Mm-hmm. It's very confusing on you. Do, <laughs> and, while we're talking yeah. pictures, I have looked at the photo of the rather lovely Tom Middleston and his shirt, and you are absolutely right. I both times, even the second time I watched, I was looking for what the hell was up this shirt and couldn't see. And Absolutely it's got a cracking shirt. On it. Look at that collar. Goes all the way down to the other. I've never seen such a thing. Whoever came up with that, that is some sewing. I think Patrick and Esme would love it. They would. Absolutely I, love it. I hate to shock you, but I actually watched an entire series of The Sewing Bee. That's because it's beautiful. not Everyone a me should. thing. I don't, I don't do these thing. programs at all. It's a joy. But also, it's filmed. Literally, I can see where they film it from my balcony. Oh, really? Yeah, they keep nice. showing my That's building nice. in the back. Oh, nice. charming. You should watch the throwdown next. Watch the pottery one. No. It's delightful. I tried, I tried it that. Is but delightful. don't they break things a lot? Because I worry. About, they they you know, do sometimes. They explode. Oh. The, the main male judge, who is this big guy who's obviously used to, to potting and doing things, he's, you know, he's clearly good at throwing the clay because he's built for it. Cries at least once an episode. Oh no! Because and he does this whole thing of just like, this is the best thing you've ever done. It's so <laughs> good, and he starts crying with excitement of how well the contestants are doing. It's genuinely delightful. Anyway, now I've, still, I've got six series of the sewing bee to work through. Nice. The later ones are better, I think. But yeah, yeah well, I don't know. I've done season seven. I act. I turned on the TV and I made the mistake of actually watching what was on TV and then watched that, which was halfway through this season, and then went back and watched that. And, and then, oh, anyway. I think Esme could teach me to sew. I absolutely love it. Anyway. <laughs> okay, that was yeah. Slight tangent. So yeah, we've gone off on a couple. I think I think we might be not supposed to think about the blue thing and possibly not supposed to think about the multiverse thing. Mm. Let's keep an eye on it. If it comes back up, it, you know, we can be validated if it I is did, a thing. There was definitely a feel of just watch, I think. Yeah. In this episode, just watch. Yeah. <laughs> like For a Doctor Who sake. episode, in fact. Right. Just... <laughs> like, don't, don't pause. Just watch. Uh, we did mention something that I think we should not skip over. Mm. There are daggers in this episode. There are daggers. 
and and the bit where he rocks up with his dagger and does the little flip and catch them, which he probably practiced for ages to get right for Thor Ragnarok, and it's in the trailer and nowhere else. <laughs> and I, I will admit, and I know that Rachel's going to be listening and yep. probably agree with this, I felt a sense of relief finally seeing it, like, oh, I can move on with my life. They've finally done it on screen. It's canon that he can do this in this world. <laughs> there were important canon things to be done in this episode, and that was clearly one of them. I did give a little yay. Yeah, yeah. And and then we also had the 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 reverse of her taking off her tiny helmet horns and yeah. smacking someone over the face with them. And then yeah. one of them is broken. Hmm. I thought that Did was she have them at the end? I thought they got thrown away when she was fighting. Don't know. Because we lost the cape, which I was very upset about. Mm. Because I very much like the cape, and Cape's I'm good. really annoyed that we don't have capes or or not in any way that you could actually wear outside and people wouldn't stare at you. Um, <laughs> no picturing a cape that's also a face mask that holds yeah. onto you there all the way down, down. But, but it's one of those blue disposable ones the whole cape <laughs> so if someone behind you treads on it though that would be a nightmare wouldn't it? you're just going down but I really liked um, we were talking about the action and mm. so that fight scene in the TVA mm-hmm. and I, I like Sylvie's style she's a bit of a brawler she's mm. kind of pretty vicious with it mm-hmm. but she does this great flip off the wall and over the person mm-hmm. and the cape just this beautiful sweep and like, yeah, yes, that's, what you capes. that's the whole point isn't it you've, you've got to yeah if you're not flipping a cape why wear it at all I know, I know i i found the tva agents a little like stormtroopers they've got they've got ones that if you hit someone it disintegrates them and they're sort of trying to club her with them rather than yeah. you just need to make contact you, you mm. don't need to do anything else you just need to which is how she wins in the end she just at them I'm making a face um, I think that came across in the audio clearly however as these episodes go on and we get more action from Loki I have questions over his power set yes because last episode he appeared to have telekinesis this episode he has illusion magic, which he's always seemed to have, and now he has sort of throwing green wiggly woo bolts of light force magic. Which, if you could do, wouldn't you do that more often? Yeah, people. So, so they appear to me just—he's kind of a Jedi with illusions. I mean, are they not also illusions? I assumed they were. No, because he knocks people over with them. I see someone coming towards you. But, uh, last episode, no, he definitely had telekinesis. Fine. He definitely pulled a thing off the off a shelf to fight someone with it. Like, but well, in that's this new. one, in this one, there's a bit of building going to fall on them, and he yeah. pushes, he pushes it back. Yeah, he does a whole Luke Skywalker Yoda thing. Yeah, ah, it's cool. I mean, I thought it was also interesting that they spent uh, quite a bit of time discussing powers and discussing mm. the acquisition mm-hmm. of powers and the definitions of powers and the methodology of powers, and I thought mm. that was. You know, when she was like, oh, you know, I taught myself and all of those things. I thought that was a strange um, section of conversation, really. You know, you've got limited amounts of time in, mm-hmm. in a show like this, and there are quite a lot of, of conversations. So to have, okay, now they're going to talk about this, they're going to talk about this, and what information are people going to get out of this? You know, the mapping of those conversations mm-hmm. and the choices of the things that are included. I feel like we're coming back to kind of Loki and his mother quite a bit and I still think that's going to be sort of the pivotal something something timeline something okay but um but yeah more any Russo yeah basically yeah very happy with that um 
I, I like the conversation. It, it, this is very much what I liked about this, and, and both from last episode where he's saying, no, they're two different powers that we're talking about here. And in this, getting into a bit of some of what he does and what he was taught and how it works, you know, I really like. And I like that he's clearly got some sort of level of mental conditioning, so she can't enchant him. Mm-hmm. Um, I dig all that. Particularly what I liked, and it's not a power per se, but it is a character trait, is... When they're thrown off the train and they don't have the tem pad, that he works the problem. The tem pad thing has just gone out of my mind every time. It's not right in front of my face. And when you said it then, I was like, the tampon? What? what exactly? I had no idea what they were saying. I had to look it up. Well, I had every time. <laughs> every, yeah, I had subtitles on. Every time they said tem pad, all I could think was tenner pad. And think of like the tenner lady advert, yeah. right. which was very distracting. Yeah. Yeah, that, that one's not worth jabs. Um, but when they're when they're thrown off the train, tempad is broken, and they're he is working the problem in a four dimensional way and thinking through. Well, okay, but what was meant to happen? What was meant to what was meant to happen? What can we do differently? We could go to the ark and see if we can save it this time, and and just trying to think through through the situation with with some lateral thinking. And I dig it. I you know I love a TV show where people work the problem and solve it. And that yeah. for me was returning to the sort of procedural stuff I loved last time mm. of just. Let's see if we can work this out. And and I like that I'm seeing this through line of, actually, he is a smart character. He does come up with plans. Yeah, like and when the, he applies it, it works. The smartness isn't disposable. It's not there mm. for quips and giggles. Yeah. It's integral to having yeah, him around. It's not us just being told how smart he is. We're actually seeing it. Absolutely. It makes you realise how often you you know people perform smart without acting it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no, very enjoyable. Mm. Can we talk about the singing? Yes. When does Tom when when does Tom Hiddleston also sing? Is it him? Yeah. Cuz he doesn't strike me as a singer. Apparently he did something else where he had to train to sing for that. Okay. I can't it's, it it sure sounds a, like maybe him. Maybe theater. Yeah. Having enjoyed his latin last week, it it sounds <laughs> like his norwegian this week. Okay. You know. Um and because we were going through the music credits anyway for the Lady Tron thing, I did enjoy noting that that it was written by Norwegian people, um, mm. author and violinist, I believe. And I just thought, That's, what a nice thing! Can you can you give us a Norwegian folk song for Loki to sing? I mean, I assume that is what happened, and and that is the origin story of the song. I hope so. Mm. But how nice, you know, you've obviously got incredible competent music department on this anyway. Mm. But how nice to, you know not make it up yourself and yeah. um, get it done properly. I, I just, I really enjoyed that. But again, I, I have, I so enjoy characters acting drunk or transformed um, in a joyful way. Right. I, I just, I, it's a thing I, I get a lot of joy out of seeing and I particularly like that. So I also loved when he smashed the glass, like Thor. Yes. I yep. just, I, a nice yes. call. Really fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, I am assuming I am ever a drunk again in the future. <laughs> I will very much be using his, I'm full. Very full. Very full. I found that really interesting. Is it just sort of jokey-jokey, can't admit he's drunk? Is there some reason he shouldn't be drunk, and that's why he's using a slightly biblical euphemism for things? Like, I think it's he's a god. I don't think gods are supposed to get drunk. I think they're supposed to have grand capacity. Okay. I don't know. I I can't imagine a Thor saying I'm very drunk. Oh, stop. Have we seen Thor drunk? Yeah, sure. Well, we saw him and Selvig drinking. 
Yeah. But and then he, he carried didn't, he didn't home. get drunk, did he? So. And and we have the whole thing with Stan Lee drinking in Avengers Two. Yeah. Mm. But that's that's only when he's up against. Humans. Is he not drunk sure. in in the most recent time we've seen Thor when he's in yes. Norway? Is the he Big not Lebowski drunk? Thor. Yes. Mm. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I also enjoyed that. Um, yeah. And he's just kind of found himself in this sort of permanent state of torpor mm. and drunkenness, and yeah, and and I thought that was. Yeah, I just I just found the phrase full a little because it's not a word you would use for tipsy or jaded no. or you know other, other such expressions you might have. It will be now. Mm, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> I I did not think that deeply into it, I'm afraid. I just thought, oh, <laughs> yeah. funny. I was convinced there was gonna be something in that champagne, particularly when he had both, both glasses, of them. Yeah. I was expecting him to pass out. Oh, that's interesting because I I usually think that and I didn't think of that at all. Yeah. The the whole thing made me think there was something going on with them recognizing Loki. The the guards at the beginning, both of whom looked like Chris Pratt, which was very weird, and then the people who come into the train a bit later on and start questioning them. There there was something in that performance that seemed to be a recognition of Loki. Oh, I hadn't picked. That I up. thought that was because he'd been doing the mind thing on them mm. and that had worn off and they were going I don't remember you coming in I assume because there's that yeah. guy who looks at him quite a bit and then the mm. guards come in and I assumed it was it was that you know there yeah, was no like, glamour it, it felt like it was there even from the guards at the beginning when he was getting on and it might just be in setting up the illusion they're going to cast on them and so on but it was just I mean it doesn't seem to be a lot of people it could be like you don't go here why are you here yeah who are you yeah <laughs> they don't even go here yeah yeah <laughs> What's the guy? So it's the guy who looks at him, not not a guard who looks at him weirdly, goes out and gets the guards, comes mm-hmm. back. Was that Patrice? Because it looked a lot like him. It was Patrice, the husband. So, yeah, the husband. When Loki glamours to try and get in the house with the woman who's oh. shooting the cannon at them, it looked quite a bit like a kind of more cleaned up version, you know, less stubble. You could use an actor twice, but no, they wouldn't. No. What's happened in the MCU? No. Oh, oh no, it's happened, but not in the, the same, same episode. episode, in the same show. Because mm. I was thinking, well, that's pretty dark if he's gone off and left her. Mm. <laughs> well, it did seem quite dark. Yeah. Patrice is played by Alex Van. I did. I tried to look that up, but it was too soon. <laughs> There's no reference for shifty guy who spots... <laughs> Look, I don't even know what he would be called. Well, I suppose but, if it's Patrice, but he, it's Patrice. Alex Van is also credited as just Patrice. He's not yeah. credited as Stroke. I don't know. I mean, they would else. have given him the wash that they refused to give Loki because he was definitely sort of tidy. Okay. Oh, no, hang on. This is the whole series. I want the cast list for the ep. Because there's a credit for Wealthy Man, Wealthy Woman. That's when they're getting the mentioned mother, the mentioned bartender. There's the guards who we're going to come back to the name of the guards later on, and then there's Patrice. I'm I'm choosing to believe that it was Patrice, Mm. and he's abandoned the. We didn't get a name for her, did we? Uh, The mentioned homesteader is is what Susan Gallagher is is credited as here. Yeah. Sorry for the clicking. but we need to know these things. We do need to know these things. Okay, what else have we not mentioned? 
Uh, Abby mentioned earlier about the timekeepers. Are they real? Mm-hmm. And so, yes, that's one of my questions. Do they exist? My next one is, are they Kang? And my final one is, are they Rich D. Grant as old Loki? Ooh, interesting. Because I've seen people mm. talking about... Um, yeah, Richard E. Grant could be the timekeeper. Richard E. Grant could be an older Loki. And then you put the two bits of the sandwich together. Put your hands together. <laughs> and if it was Loki, one, you know, a, this is the way that Loki rules space is by uh, oppressing through time. I like the idea that there could be three older Lokis collectively. <laughs> it's just <laughs> greedy, Abby. Greedy. Yeah, well, so what do you what do you guys think about the timekeepers? I. Definitely think there's there's something up, you know, the the way that Owen Wilson hasn't met the timekeepers, the way that the kind of the hierarchy is is very separate from their they're not present. Mm. They're not they're heard and not seen, you know. It's um I don't think we have enough to know and I don't I think we're meant to know that something is up mm. but I don't think we are supposed to be able to make kind of informed guesses therefore i would imagine that they probably have their own agenda somewhat i would say that whoever the timekeepers are now if they are i would imagine they're not the ones they were we talked a little bit about and i think it was at the beginning of this about it being a bit wizard of oz Mm. pay no attention to the man behind the curtain i could see it going that direction that he sort of set up these three mystical beings but you know it's him just picking and choosing what happens and not but the TVA feels too big and 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 the, the the technology they use the fact they are scanning and they've got numbers against how far a nexus event goes from another event and so on it it feels like this is actually a thing this is stuff that's happening but there are questions about why or what or whom or so on can we talk a bit about it being staffed by variants and about mm. more being variants? That was what I was about to come to because we didn't get anything about the timekeepers this episode particularly. No. We got her trying to get to them and trying to find out about mm. them but nothing really to move that on, I think. Was Abby, you predicted this. Yes, you I predicted did. predicted that oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> Mobius's memory had been wiped. Mm. But it, it seems to be sort of along the lines of, um, you know, when uh, Loki is talking with Sylvia about sort of her past and so on, and it's, you know, it's it's strange, it's different, and it's something that she seems to have, I don't know, worked on in some way. I, I, I just, I think there's some interesting conversations about kind of who variants are and how they work and at which point they vary and about how well they understand themselves, and they obviously have those memories in there behind whatever the TVA mm. does, because she has, you know, dug for the memories of the cocktail bar. I, I'm wondering if it's something like they were all brought on as variants and co-opted in the same way Loki's been co-opted, and they have been doing it so long that they can't remember that they were doing anything before that. So you think it's more unintentional mm. brainwashing? Hmm. Yeah, I'm a bit more sceptical, I think. I wonder if the TVA does run out of time. Or run outside time. Yeah, it runs outside time, Mm. from what we can gather. Because that's interesting. 
yeah, from what we can gather, because what's interesting as well with C20, the one used at the beginning in the bar, is that is what looks like a contemporary bar mm-hmm. for us. And yet Sylvie says that she had to dig back hundreds of years. So she's presumably been in the TVA for hundreds of years. Because, I mean, if we're going by the music, when she digs back again, mm-hmm. that's 2008, as we've previously established. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the TVA has been running for hundreds of years, kind of collecting people throughout time, just as they've collected technology throughout time, mm. presumably there is no reason you can't collect your humans in the same way as you collect your technology. You pick and choose the best of them. And we have seen a few people in there. You know, there's the Victorian-looking gentleman um, at the at the desk when they're talking about kind of the timeline going mm. off, clearly dressed in, in a slightly different period. And okay. I haven't yet got round to looking at other people in enough detail. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, why only humans? Mm. Mm. Or human-looking people. Yeah. But yeah, we, we 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 have seen a scroll taken in there, but we haven't seen anyone else. And the MCU is now a place that has lots of people. Why do we not have a group mm. working there? Or someone. Yeah. So. Mm. 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 So... And then there's the question, do they volunteer or are they conscripted? Well, it's, they've always been there. I've as never far as seen, they can remember. Well, mm-hmm. you've got some of them saying, you know, never seen a world outside. As far as he can remember. Mm. But I mean, I yeah. <laughs> I don't think it can be very voluntary if you... Well, I don't, yeah, I'm thinking, you know, when I say voluntary, yeah, voluntary under threat of pruning. The the other one that I've seen is um, hints that maybe we're in the quantum realm, and that's why time works oddly there. Tell us okay. more. When you think about some of the the shots of the city outside, it does have a slight aesthetic. It, it's similar to some of the quantum realm stuff we saw in Ant Man, and I think partially just because that then ties into the Kang the Conqueror turning up in Ant Man three. Mm, sort of yeah, that that's hint, a good. Hmm. So I was wondering as well with the pruning, we're assuming that means that you're killed, but if you're pruned, are you actually transferred to somewhere else and you're, you know, and then your memory's wiped and you're reconditioned, a slave for them? Well, yeah. it, it takes me back to the question you asked on that first week because let's say Loki in the alternate timeline where he disappears is pruned. Or you know, suddenly he's taken to the TVA, so he doesn't exist. It implies there is then a timeline going on where the Tesseract has disappeared and where Loki has disappeared. Mm. But I think it's implied that they set off lots of bombs to stop that timeline from continuing. Yeah, which I found out in the um, in the comics are called ret cannons, which is fantastic. <laughs> Why did they not keep that ret cannon? Oh, that's good. Yeah. And and is it only two ends, not three? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, I that should be the so. thing, because it, it retrospectively does the canon. Amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, we've got lots of questions to look at, and, and this is where we should be, I think, halfway through the series. We should have lots of questions yeah. and things that they can deliver on over episode four and five, and then episode six setting up for either doing a big finale and then setting up for whatever comes next. Mm. What else on this episode have we not covered? Is there anything yet? Uh, just on Mobius. So, with what we've been talking about, I'm assuming he's been taken from the 90s. There's an implication there, isn't there? And in the finale, I want him on a jet ski 
downing Joster. <laughs> That's what I want to see. With probably some like frosted tips going on or something. <laughs> Absolutely. And also, I want to know what does Ravona know? You know, is she also mm. in the same mm-hmm. same position, or does she know more? I was really sad we didn't get to see her fighting. Mm, yeah, mm. same. Yeah. Well, hopefully that. Like, I hope we're setting her up for for more than just this series. Yeah. Because we've still not seen that much of her. Mm-hmm. I do think that it still feels overall tonally. I think it still feels quite different from everything else we've had. And I do feel mm-hmm. that it is very comfortable with what it is. And mm. I don't know if I can, I can still can't quite pinpoint what it is. I, again, maybe it's just that this is told in a, in a tone of voice and at an angle from which I'm more accustomed to viewing television. But I just feel very comfortable watching it. I really can just sit and enjoy it. I'm so glad we have this podcast because I like it and therefore I would like content of it and I would like to discuss it more and it is always a pleasure but the actual active watching of it you know at some points I really wasn't thinking about it I was just letting the television happen I thought oh it's been a while since I didn't have to put my own commentary track in my head <laughs> over tv I could I could just accept the totality of the program and just enjoy it I, I think the music absolutely helps but hmm. but as a complete show it's just really solid through and through I think and it's it's really landing for me I, I know what you mean about not necessarily being emotionally engaged but mm. I think my emotions are quite tired honestly I'm, I'm, it's been a long maybe that's what it is I've got maybe football I'm the football is really giving Football's me far too many feelings yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Loki is a nice break from the football <laughs> yeah this is this is the thing yeah obviously there's been loads of things that I've loved in this episode it just is that kind of overall feeling. I had such high expectations for this. And the fact that I'm not emotionally, you know, even in, I've been more, I was more emotionally engaged in bits of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of very best bits of that. There's been nothing in this that has sort of got me in the feels. Okay. Yet. And, and you saying that, Abby, about the show and thinking about it, and you saying at the beginning how you didn't, you weren't sure if I would have liked it or not. Mm. Yeah, I can see why because this is exactly the sort of thing I like. It's kind of clever sci-fi that doesn't have necessarily any emotional element. I love two thousand and one. Two thousand and one has so zero I. emotional delivery or anything for uh, you. Oh, I, oh, I don't know. It is all in the head, nothing in the heart. It's and what you. That's what you bring to it. it. And I, I think that actually that's a good point though, because you can bring a lot to two thousand one. A lot of room in that sci-fi for you know concepts of mortality space time and robots mm. there's not a huge amount of room in loki yet a- again you know this is kind of what we're saying there's not really very much room for speculation there's not not a lot of room to bring anything in particular in here you know bisexual moments as a bisexual person like ha ha yeah see what you did there good job tick even that <laughs> it didn't have Yay, like leaping off my seat yeah. I did, I did, we, we did enjoy the lighting a lot but like yeah. e- even that it's just like yeah good that's cross off the list and i thought that was quite interesting as well because i that's quite i think i'm quite enjoying the mildness in many ways of it it's a nice mm. change I, I mean, we'll see how it, we'll see how it goes, and I think we have seen some emotionally resonant moments. You know, Loki watching his own life play mm-hmm. out. I did mm-hmm. think was a very emotive moment that we had, possibly the emotive moment. It was, and it's beautifully acted. And yet, I was 
there were no tears. I cry at adverts. It's quite brief. Yeah. I said, never so do I. But it was quite brief. Yeah. I, yeah, I, uh, yeah. You're saying mild. I by the end, I'm not expecting it to be mild. I'm expecting this to have some big, big world stuff going I'm on. I'm expecting this to take off in the next episode. Mm-hmm. Particularly, uh, you see, I'm not sure about that. I, I think episode five is going to be the one. Okay, we'll mm. see. I think because they're getting, you know, they're obviously at their nadir at the moment. How are they going to get out of this situation? We don't know. And then the TARDIS is going to appear behind them and then they're going to get out. That's it, you know. Oh my God, if it did. <laughs> if it did. It's the multiverse. I'm not so sure it won't. <laughs> And Jodie Whittaker just stepped <laughs> up. That'd be cool. Imagine if Sylvester that McCoy steps out. <gasps> Imagine. <laughs> That's enough to put this above Wonder Woman. But, what a treat. But imagine if in the week it turns out that Disney have bought the BBC. And... No, I don't. No, I don't. Okay, fine. I take it, I take it back. I take it back. Take what it back. a way to launch it, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly... Doctor Who is in the MCU. Before we got the Fantastic Four in there. <laughs> God, that that'd be that'd be something, wouldn't it? Um, well, there's right. that. Have we covered everything? Uh, I've just got some bits and pieces that don't really fit under anything. So I really like um, with Sylvie's accent that they've moved away from the kind of Tom Hiddle- that they've moved away from the Tom Hiddleston RP. Mm-hmm. I'm really crap with accents, so I didn't know where it was from, but it yeah, you know, it wasn't the sort of Shakespearean. That we've had with um, with Thor and Loki. It's not pastiche. Sort of, yeah, I thought it was sort of Midlands Leicestery. Yeah, of thing. I was mm. thinking north of me, but <laughs> that's a lot of the UK. Uh, Loki can't go backwards on a train. I know what he means. <laughs> I loved that teeny yeah. tiny little detail. Yeah. And and just the fear with which he said it again. It's that thing yes. where it's talking about bringing those little extra layers to small lines. Like, I can't go backwards on a train. Like again, yeah. that is how you say it. <laughs> you don't want to have to tell someone this right now, but you are going to but, have to. But this is my truth. <laughs> mm. But then they go sideways on the train. Do they? Don't they? I thought you ended up going backwards, which didn't seem to actually cause him any problem yeah. after that. They go sideways. I, I, I think they, when they first sit down, they're, they're sideways, but I think they then turn and start facing each other. So. Oh, when they face each other, yes. yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Hmm. Oh no, sideways definitely can't do. <laughs> uh, just a little meta detail. How do you the... travel on the tube? Standing, sure. The tube doesn't count. <laughs> the tube counts. I don't like How do you travel on the overground? <laughs> Standing. I don't remember. I don't remember the before times I've been on a train though. Oh, I don't think since. No, it's not true. I did go on train one train since March last year. Anyway, okay. Okay. Um, Kim, I, I'm derailing us. Sorry. God. See, we didn't have the dad joke at the beginning, and then he sneaks it in there. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So a little meta thing. Uh, that I think was it last episode we saw when they were kind of scrolling through the little hologram images of the different Lokis and there was the Tour de France Loki and the, but the Tour de France trophy was stolen in 2018 in real life oh, okay. which I love as a little <laughs> that's where it went they had, they have to have to have, they've had to have a replacement one Nice. I'm very much liking the idea that we've got here female Loki and then in Thor 4 female Thor hmm be very interesting to see whether the the twins will meet. I don't think Sylvie's going to last beyond this series. I'm afraid. 
Just to prep yourself. Right. Yeah. You're probably right, but I can dream. Yes. Abby, any more from you? I don't know if I want to feel any more feelings. I'm quite worried now that you're both predicting <laughs> intense feels. I like my mild, fun show that I can have my bakery goods with. There has to be a room on somewhere, oh. so, yeah. Yeah, all right. Let's see how it goes. Mm. Just one more one more thing for me, then. Um, the two guards on the... Uh, just before he gets on the train, are called Private Hudson and Corporal Hicks, which are the names of... Bill Paxton and Michael Bean in the Aliens film. Uh, well, that's strange, names. given that you were only talking about that just last week. And if you want to hear more of me talking to very smart ladies, <laughs> you can hear me on the podcast Nature Finds a Way, uh, where I joined Sarah and Lindsay talking about aliens, because they hated Alien and wanted me to come on and explain to them why it's a good film and why it's a good franchise. So we talked Aliens, and to spoil the podcast, they liked it a lot more, and we get deep into the, uh, the the idea of their podcast, in case you don't know, is all about the biology of films and the science behind it. Uh, we get deep into the fertilization process for alien eggs and <laughs> aliens and the reproductive processes therein. And it's fascinating. It's Do you good. cover the prequels? No, we cover aliens <gasps> and alien. <laughs> okay. Yes. I can't believe you're cheating on us, Matthew. <laughs> There's plenty of Matthew Pod to go around. Che- Pod cheating. Oh, we're no, all I'm... available to podcast about Next all the time things. you want to watch scary films and uh, come and talk about Abby, them and talk about reproductive... Abby, I can. <laughs> <laughs> he can't. No, uh, yeah, I, Matthew has got me on to Nature Finds A Way and it is fantastic. I particularly enjoyed the Jurassic Park mm-hmm. episode, so uh, which I assume was the reason for the name. Yes, so that's a good one yeah, to I think, check out. I think they but, go um, two a link in the three. notes. Mm. Yeah, and they are—they're both actually marine biologists, so mm. worth listening to all their many shark film shark film episodes. <sighs> yes, mm. the Meg. Mm-hmm. I bet they know about this the layer of fish thing, don't they? That's, maybe, uh, maybe I'm sure there must be. That's really ruined it. my day. That was a layer of fish. It was a layer of fish. Okay, really low down. We'll go into it in a minute. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, don't make me I'm cut it out. I'm trying to wrap up the episode. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but we will always we will be back next week with another marvelous where we'll talk more about Loki. Um, there's a lot that we're going into at the moment. So if you have your own ideas, if you have thoughts on exactly what's happening with timekeepers, variants, multiverses, and bisexual lighting, do let us know. You can tweet at us. We are on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing. I'm at Matthew Vose. Abby, where can people find you? At uh, this AE show. And Laura, where can people find you? I'm at Laura Geeks Out. Join us next week for another Smash. 